Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Hey everybody, welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I am psyched to have Justin Burke Bickler with us today. I also have Kellen back. What's going on, Kellen? Not much, just wearing sweatshirts in August like we do. I have full sweats on. I actually have sweatpants and the sweatshirt and the hat to conserve Elastic is the name of the coronavirus. I'm very comfortable. Nice. If I don't make it through the next whatever week, you know, at least I'll go comfortably. Justin Burke Bickler, welcome. Justin is a men's health activist, testicular cancer survivor, and the founder of AbalsySenseOfTumor.com. Justin was 25 years old when he was diagnosed with stage two testicular cancer in 2016. He underwent surgery and chemotherapy. Through writing and speaking, Justin has shared his story to spread awareness about testicular cancer and to promote open conversation about men's health. Hmm. Sounds familiar. We like that, right? Yeah. Welcome. Welcome, Justin. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You've been writing and speaking. Your writing has appeared in Cure magazine, I Had Cancer, The Mighty, Good Men Project, Stupid Cancer, much more. You've been featured kind of around the world. I want to get into how you started the whole process of becoming an advocate. But before we do that, let's focus on right here, right now. What are the top priorities in your life? Who are the most important people? Give us a picture of your daily life. Uh, So my daily life right now is quite hectic. Uh, My full-time job is in an elementary school. I'm the instructional technology coach. So what a bad job to have right now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they 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 said it would be a fun job and I'd have more flexibility. Well, no nobody said anything about a pandemic and virtual learning. Yeah. And you are now the most crucial part of our educational system, like bar none. Yeah. I mean it's it's nice because I can get away with whatever I want nowadays because if, <laughs> you know, somebody makes me mad, I'm like, well, your Google Classroom just got yeah. deleted. <laughs> but our live instruction with students started this Monday. So last Friday, I was like, hey, let's get every teacher on the network on simultaneous Google Meets to see what the network's going to be like on Monday. And needless to say, I had to go for a drink after work because yeah. <laughs> it, can't even it just... went about as well. As as I expected, I'm loving so, life right now. So your <laughs> your inbox is just a complete shit show at the moment. Man, I yeah. think you should just instead of putting like just upload every kid with Minecraft and call it a day and just like <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tried that, but the superintendent wasn't thrilled. Um, but I think he just he was jealous of the things that kids could build. And it says on your site that you you live with your cat. Is that still accurate? Uh, actually, not. He just passed away. Oh, way to about... bring nice. up tough, <laughs> nice, tough Trevor. subject, Trevor. Yeah, <laughs> that I need to. I need to update my my website that just says he lives completely alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, wow! In the category of Trevor inserting foot in mouth. 
Well, you know. So who's your support system then in person? Then Is it friends? Is it family? Is it both? Are you in an area where you have people around you? It's mainly friends right now. Um, my family, I grew up in Pennsylvania. And so I live about four to five hours, three hours, depending if I'm driving, my dad's driving or my mom's driving to get to my parents house gotcha so it's it's mainly um in person is you know my friends my co-workers but i have a really good virtual support group from my friends from high school and college and my family still through texting and phone calling and zoom and skype and so on and so forth and all those right i like forgot for a moment that the in-person support network is just not really <laughs> yeah i was like i don't right think now. anybody has one of those right yeah now. <laughs> <laughs> okay so now we're going back in the time machine November 2016. Is that a month that stands out for you for any particular reason? Uh, I mean, Thanksgiving. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You remember that <laughs> the, one? The election. Specifically? Uh, they were... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That is a rough November. <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh, so honestly, October probably stands out more because okay. that's when everything really began. When I detected the lump, um, I started chemo in November. But to me, like everything really took off in October. Um, I found the lump when I was showering because this is a fun, well, not really a fun story because like, <laughs> I'm not really sure how to segue that. Uh, but I, I was, I, you know, I think we've had other cancer patients exactly start their stories that way. Like it's a, it's a funny story and we're like, it's not going to be a funny story. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny in the sense that it's not funny, but it yeah. is funny. I'll say funny one more time just because I said it three times in that sentence. <laughs> so in early October, I had started a new like side consulting job in educational technology, and I was super psyched about it. But one thing that becomes abundantly clear to anybody who spends any deal of time with me, the two things that I don't understand in this world are time, including like time zones, or geography outside of the states of Pennsylvania and Virginia. You tell me to go anywhere in Pennsylvania or Virginia, I'm fine. You tell me to go anywhere mm. else, I'm like, I'm not really sure where I am right now, but I'm just going to keep driving. And I got to the airport uh, to fly to um, Kentucky. And I was like, hey, maybe I should have seen where the, the site was in comparison to the airport, in comparison to the hotel. Maybe I should have like, I don't mm -hmm. know, looked at this stuff when I was booking everything. Well, it turns out that they were, if you were to draw a triangle between the three of them, the perimeter would have been about 200 miles. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> So I had to like scramble to organize a rental car. And then, I, you know, the flight was delayed because of course it was. So I didn't even get to the airport till midnight. So <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm already stressed out. Why not do my monthly self-exam in the shower? And I was like, okay, cool. There's a lump there that hasn't been there previously. So can I interrupt you right there? Because yeah, the, fa the fact that you were, so you were 25 at the time, right? Yeah. The fact that you were doing monthly self-exams, it's somewhat shocking at, the, at that age because I think most men never do self-exams. So what was it um, prior to that that got you checking for it? Yeah, so it really comes down to two main factors. My pediatrician, when I was growing up, he honestly looks like Steven Spielberg. That has nothing to do with why I do self-exams. <laughs> I just want to paint that mental picture for you. I like it. Um so that was one thing when I got to be my teenage years, he really instilled that that's something that to be doing monthly. Okay. And because of that, I 
did it. I mean, uh, as my teenage yeah. years and 20s. And then when I moved to Virginia and I had to get like a big boy doctor, because apparently once you turn like 20, Your pediatrician doesn't want to see you after 18. <laughs> yeah. Um, mine still saw me until I was like 22. And I was like, cool. Wow. Congratulations. Um, but so then I, I moved and he was like, you need to get like a family care doctor. and Busy making films and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, Jurassic World was coming out. It was right. It was a little more important. So I found a doctor, and that was, like, the one thing the doctor said. She's like, hey, you need to be doing your monthly testicular self-exams. I was like, all right, well, two people have told me this. I should do this. And so luckily I did because, yeah. you know, we might not be having this conversation had I not. Right. I actually called my pediatrician when I was done with chemo and everything. And I was like, hey, I haven't talked to you in, you know, three years or so. But just letting you know I had cancer. But <laughs> it's good now. But thank you. For telling me to do, mm. I was like the most discombobulated um, voicemail I've probably ever left in my life. <laughs> and he called me back and he offered me a role in Jurassic <laughs> World 2. I, I had to decline. So you um, you had surgery, you had chemo. What term do you use in, in TC world? I know in CRC world, colorectal cancer, we talk about no evidence of disease or I like to say no evidence of active disease in my case. Some people say cancer-free, remission. What language do you use around your cancer? Yeah, so I alternate a lot. I, I guess clinically, I'm in remission. They can't say mm -hmm. that I'm cancer-free uh, for another year and a half or so um, because that's when they – it's kind of the marker for testicular cancer. Once you're five years out, your recurrence rate drops, like, dramatically. Yeah. Um, but – and then in, like, colloquial terms, I say cancer survivor. But I often like to say, like – I don't like to say I survived cancer because that seems, like, too final to me. I like to say, you know, I'm continue to survive beyond cancer or something to that effect. Some cliche, uplifting type thing. Um, <laughs> because it like, it really did have a huge impact on my life and continues to do so. But to say like, I survived cancer, it's like, oh, I'm not 30 yet. And I've already crossed cancer off that list. The young guys we've talked, oh, you know, the, too many young people. When we talked to Jason Greenspan, who is, you know, he was diagnosed at 18, mm -hmm. you know, it seems like this age range is just frighteningly young. Yeah. Especially for, like Trevor said, people who are probably not even engaged with their health in the same way that we get to as we age, because we start really worrying yeah. about things more as we age, because yeah. stuff feels worse. Um, but there must be so many young men out there who aren't even aware of the things that you have to be checking for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, it's like of the cases in the world about like over half of them come from men between you know 50 or 15 and like 30s and so that's the prime of mm. manhood yeah. really right. and but like you said that's not a time where a lot of guys are going to the doctor regularly like so the span between going to the big boy doctor and then suddenly having an oncology team was about three years like i hadn't gone to the doctor in between because i was like well i'm healthy like i don't right. need to go right and Obviously, I wasn't, but, you know, there's there's a lot of things that guys don't know, and that's a lot of the reason why I share my story is because to kind of normalize and to get that conversation going. For cancer patients who ultimately get involved with advocacy and awareness, some people start that work really early on, like almost like they get diagnosed, all of a sudden they're in the advocacy door. Others, it takes years, and then still others, of course, never never go that route. When was it in your journey and how did it come about that you thought, you know what, I got to share my story and I got to, I have a purpose. 
with this? Yeah, so my official first blog post on a ballistic sensitive tumor was um, my first day of chemo. So it was, I started almost immediately and it kind of grew out of a place of frustration, I guess, uh, because I couldn't find, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial, I'll own that. And so when I was diagnosed, I went to try to find like, what to expect when you're expecting chemotherapy as a 20 something year old guy. And I couldn't find that. And I had been journaling uh, just to help process everything. And I shared, it was just like a massive Google doc at the time. And I shared it to one of my friends and they said, you know, you've just been complaining about not having that resource. Well, you've now started this resource. Why not do something more with it? And so I was like, all right. So initially it was, it was, it really, well, okay. yeah, I was like, all right, I'm not going to be doing much of anything for the next couple of months. Anyways, it'll give me something to do. I honestly spent more time coming up with the name of the website than like making the decision to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. It is a genius name and we, you, all, we all love it, of course. In your support system at that time, because you were so young, were you with your parents back in that area getting treatment or were you living on your own? No. So I was engaged at the time. Um, I'm not anymore or married anymore, but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother We're day. just bringing up all <laughs> of the, the cat, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the cat conversation. Yeah. We like to go deep and make you feel all the feels. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that, that's fun. Um, but no, so I, we, we had just bought a house, actually the house that I'm currently sitting in. Like I said, my family lives hours away from here. Um, my mom did end up coming down to live with us for pretty much the majority of me going through chemo. So my fiance at the time could continue working um, because I wasn't to be left alone. So it's interesting how like my mom just continues to take care of me. She literally drove me to and from my treatments. My treatments were luckily only a couple miles away from my house up in my outpatient center. You know, I do find that through these stories, the through line of if there's somebody you knew would be really just solid, no matter what was happening, you know, having a support system that you knew you could be your raw self with. I don't know if you felt like that with your mother, but. Yeah, I really feel like my mom and I connected a lot more throughout the experience because I was, I'm going to be perfectly honest, I was a very bratty high schooler and middle schooler and kind of like a rebellious elementary schooler. So like I was a cute baby, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) that goes a long way it's okay so the blog so you started writing about this when did you start to get the sense that wow like what i'm saying is really resonating well i mean let me step back what was it that made you want to share and then when did you get a sense that what you were sharing was touching a nerve out there well i think it really wanting to share kind of really went back to the conversation i had my friend like you know you could be solving this problem that you've been complaining about Mm -hmm. then you know i like to be a problem solver and it was one thing that i would have control over you know i didn't have a lot of control over pretty much anything else and it gave me it gave me an outlet and then i think probably one of the earliest memories of getting like some sort of feedback was when i had gone back to work momentarily between surgery and beginning chemo one of my coworkers came up to me and said she shared the blog with her son or nephew or something and he went to the doctor because he felt he had a lump and luckily it would it just turned out to be just a torsion but you know it could have gotten a lot worse so i was like wow i'm talking about my testicles on the internet testicle at that point on the internet (laughs) and people are doing something about it that's that and then it's been you know the people who have found the blog as they're going through chemo and being like you know this is exactly the thing i was looking for And I was like, well, that's why I started it. 
Was it always humor? Like, was humor always the icebreaker? Was that something that, you know, you took before cancer and then just applied it to the way that you share? Or was it... I don't know how to say this without saying braggadocious, but I've always been a hilarious person. <laughs> I've made many, many, many people laugh. Um, a, whole, now, a whole handful of people. <laughs> yeah, a whole, at least, like, if my parents count, I've made two people laugh. Hey, um, well, you've doubled it today. Nice job. Yes. All right. What I've just found is, you know, guys don't want to talk about their health in general. But at the same time, they'll be more than happy to make a testicular related joke. And so you kind of use that to, like, break the ice. And then you just kind of throw in the information there. And then you just close with another joke. It's like a joke testicle sandwich. Like, I don't recommend, like, (laughs) coming soon to Subway. Um, I don't know any other cancer group that leans on humor the way that the testicular cancer group. Yeah, colon cancers. There's nothing funny there's about not colon really cancer. What jokes have you heard about I your mean, colon? You guys are like the butt of all the jokes. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I mean, ball, is this the time where we can actually bust out the sweaty balls reference? Oh, maybe that's because probably it. Yeah, that's just funny ball humor on SNL, right? I mean, yeah, in our zeitgeist of information out there, it does seem like middle school has trained us all to be able to laugh about balls if it's Mm. females or men like it's just one of those places that people everybody can kind of go for (laughs) yeah fully on the table you just gotta grab life by the balls sometimes yeah i mean how many there's just so many sayings (laughs) there's just like so yeah i can see how humor was really an entry point for a serious matter in that case because i can't i really don't see how humor has played a role in the other kind of cancer forums and that entry point like i mean in the howling place right humor is used but that is a very specific group of people who are now comfortable with each other now using it to support each other but you know that wasn't your entry place right mm-hmm. i imagine that when you started getting those personal connections like seeing by sharing my journey and, and putting my voice out there i can have a really positive impact on someone's life so i imagine that using the humor along the way must have just opened the doors so many times to that kind of impact for you, right? Yeah, and it's, you know, like when I was in uh, San Francisco last summer, we were in line for to go to the Alcatraz cruise, and there was a group of guys from, they were like from the United Kingdom, and I was talking to the group that I was with, and I was like, yeah, I was like, I often go up to random guys and just say like random like ball really jokes and tell them, and then move on with my life and they're like no you don't and i was like well there's three guys right there um if somebody dares me i'm going to do this and if somebody doesn't dare me i'm still gonna do it and so i dared myself to do it and i'm not gonna back down from the challenge because then i'd have to you know it's, it's a problem so i went and literally had like a four minute conversation with these guys and they're like we weren't sure where you were going with this but like thanks for telling us that and i was like you're welcome. Well, let's get serious for just a moment, if we can. Probably not. We talk a lot about isolation in the sense of, you know, when you go through cancer, when you get this diagnosis, it can, it can take you to a very lonely place, whether it be physically or emotionally. Did you experience isolation in some ways through your diagnosis? Yeah, it, it was actually mainly after the fact of going through treatment because everything just went so quickly during treatment that... You know, there was just a matter of weeks between surgery and chemo. Then I had chemo back to back to back, I had 21 treatments in three months. So everything just moved really quickly. And then suddenly when 
they're like, oh, you're in remission. We'll see you in a couple months. I was like, what do you mean three months? I've mm. seen you every day for mm-hmm. the past mm-hmm. 10 weeks or so. And so that was really hard and trying to come to terms with the fact that I was supposed to be in the prime of my life. And suddenly I've been saddled with this burden, if you will. And then also, you know, wanting to be appreciative that, you know, I was given a second chance at life, but right. also being like, well, I was kind of like squandering my life prior to that. So it was it was a whole lot of emotions and I kind of like refused to deal with them for a long time, almost about a whole year. Um but I went through a pretty severe clinical depression when I was in high school. And about a year after treatment, I realized I was starting to go through some of the yep. same feelings. And I didn't want to get back to the place of self-harm and yep. suicide ideation. I don't actually have to say that word, but you know yep. what I mean. Yep. Um, got it. Yep. And so that's when I was like, you know, because of the experience I had in high school, I, and I know I don't want to get to that point, but I know these are precursors. And if I don't do anything about it now... I'm going to get to that point. So right. I went, I talked to my doctor and I, or my oncologist. And I said, you know, actually I, he, he was the one, like, he's an incredible doctor. And I was sitting there for my like one year checkup and he's like, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing good. And he's like, Justin, how are you really doing? Mm. And I was like, whoa. So I started seeing a therapist and I went on antidepressants, more exercise, more writing and yep. so on and so forth. It ebbs and flows. Like I still go to therapy. I go monthly now. I was going weekly for a while and then bi-weekly and then tri-weekly. I don't know if that's an actual thing. <laughs> um, and now I guess quad-weekly because that's every four mm-hmm. weeks. Um, but, you know, it's it's something that I know is going to ebb and flow for the remainder of my life. Like I was diagnosed at 25. Hopefully if all goes to plan, I'll live relatively long you know the fact that you were able to key into that a little bit for yourself and then have the support of someone who it sounds like was well trained to look for those as well we've had people here before talk about how they wish that right after their diagnosis they would have also been (laughs) walked into a therapist office just right after you know just one to the other because it's that mental challenge and those hurdles that like you say are going to be lifelong and this is when we talk about like the um, the toolbox, like the mental health toolbox, right? Like mm-hmm. for me, counseling has been great. Group there, group support has been great. A lot of guys that might not be the thing, but it's out there. You know, Justin brought up exercise and nutrition, like just a holistic look at, at men's health and all the tools that you can use. And if one or two things don't work for you, there's definitely something else that can work for you. And also you know, there are ways to avoid isolation in general. There's tons of tons of ways to do that and just different ways. So I'll say like everyone's journey is going to look a little bit different, but the themes are there. Like the most of us struggle. This idea of this cancer patient that's out there being Superman and not struggling is pretty rare. And I always say, if that's you and you're Superman and you're not struggling, then great. But do you think it even wasn't exists? Me. I, well, I mean, like you, I, I, I would really, <laughs> good question. you know, I, that it's a, it's a wonderful marketing tool for right. sure. But it seems like I haven't heard that right. from a single person that I'm either knowing personally or through this man up to cancer. You I've, know, place. I've heard it. I've heard it a couple times of people basically putting that out there that like, no, I just dealt with it like any other thing. I took it on. I tackled it. And th- like that. But don't you think they're full of shit? Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. mean, <laughs> like, I, th- I mean, that's deep just... down. Right. But at the conscious <laughs> level. Y- yeah. Yes. So, yes, of course. They, of course they are killing. Sorry. <laughs> no, they're. <laughs> I just. I mean, that's, they're that, so full of it. Or, or that they'll deal with it later, and they just don't right. realize it. Yeah, they're like, repressing the yeah. crap out of it. Right. Like, <laughs> it's like I'm fine. 
I'm good. I got this. <laughs> Thank goodness we have men like Justin to be like, well, I just lost a testicle a couple months ago and let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> or I just lost my cat like six weeks ago. But yeah, let's bring it up, Trevor. It's great. <laughs> it, it just it, it's it's on the long list of missteps on my part. <laughs> um, so we both agree. We share the, um, I think it's a pretty educated opinion that men suck at health. Mm-hmm. In general, right? Um, yeah. in, unless we are forced to, or, or unless you, you know, are lucky enough to be educated like you were and to have a great um, pediatrician slash cinematography genius. Um, we don't go to the doctor. We don't go for our annual checkups. We don't get our cancer screenings like we're supposed to. Is, do you think this is the way we are wired, that we are culturally conditioned, both? Like, what are what's some of the roots of this? Well, I, th- I think it comes to cultural conditioning more than anything yeah i'd be hard pressed to say that we're like wired to be that way um on like a biological level i just i think we're for so long we the man culture has been suck it up and deal with it just you know yep you're you're you'll be fine move on for it and my counterpoint to that is always like i was like when you look at somebody who is like the epitome of a man's man oftentimes people are gonna be like well john wayne like he was he was the man Mm. uh the the duke he was he was he you know he he was the guy but he was very outspoken about his health uh when he was diagnosed with lung cancer he had a cough and i mean he smoked like six packs a day so right uh, but he said something to his wife and she said go to the doctor and she eventually nagged him enough to go to the doctor and after his diagnosis and he was, um, you know, he had surgery and he was in the clear and everything, he became an advocate through the American Cancer Society. Not A, a lot of people don't always know about that. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. That's a big part of my TED Talk. So you clearly haven't watched my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew about the cat. <laughs> yeah, Trevor, you are just batting a thousand right now. <laughs> um well, it's been a great show, everyone. <laughs> Justin, it's been wonderful to have you. <laughs> yeah, so he and he really advocated for early detection and preventative screenings. And so, and then the thing that I always, you know, if they say, no, I have to provide for my family. Well, you, you can't provide for your family or your loved ones if you're not there. Bingo. And so many things, especially with how medicine is, we've progressed so far that you can take care of so many problems. And if you catch it early enough, it's an easier fix. A lot of white men pass away from cancer at a, such a higher rate from women are because they're diagnosed at later stages because they've put off going and, you know, something that could have been easily caught at stage one and treated totally, totally then becomes stage four. Yeah. And at that point, it's it's not a treatment. It's it's you're given weeks and it's because and it, we can't even use the excuse of we don't have time because, how you know, they're especially now in a pandemic, you have like nothing but time. And in a lot of these things, like a testicular self-exam, for example, it takes maybe two minutes once a month. In my case, it only takes a minute a month. So I I got 12 (laughs) minutes back every year. You compound that over many years. I think this was the greatest investment I could have made in my life. Um, I have some friends who have had testicular cancer twice. They're saving 24 minutes a year. That's a Netflix episode. We need to change the conversation from, you know, taking care of your health is a sign of weakness as it's a sign of strength. And it's it's being proactive. And it's it's almost more weak to not go to the doctor and not be engaging in preventative care. And 
you know, I've I've only been in the advocacy world, if you will, for five-ish years. Yeah. And I've seen incremental changes, but, you know, we're fighting against decades upon centuries upon millenniums upon whatever is bigger than a millennium. Well, it's such an interesting thing where men and or at least the men I have in my life, not a single one of them would put off an oil change of their car, even if their car is running perfectly well, mm-hmm. right? So the car is working fine, but to keep that car in running order, of course, they're like, oh, it's my 3,000 miles or 5,000 miles or whatever, and they get the oil changed or they get it checked. Like, those things are just built in. And then for their own bodies or their own mental health or you know whatever it may be that they need to be cognizant of checking, it it doesn't have the same correlation. It, they'll wait until something's wrong. Well, not only will they wait until something's wrong, they'll wait beyond when right. something's wrong. So my friend told me the other day, my teeth have been bothering me for like six months. I said, well, have you been to see the dentist? He's like, I haven't been to the dentist in a decade. Oh my God. I said, why don't you make an appointment with a dentist? Because I'm afraid of what he's going to tell me. That all your teeth are falling out. That's what, it's like. That's what he's going to tell That's you. <laughs> Whether he tells you or not, yeah, it's yeah, still it happening. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'll i be candid in saying that sometimes I'm I'm the worst because I... Like, I haven't been to the eye doctor since I moved out of Pennsylvania. And I know that seems like a minor thing. I've but never been to the eye doctor, so... You guys are just, like, <laughs> killing it right now. <laughs> um, but I, I just made an eye doctor appointment because I was like, well, I pay for vision insurance every year. Why am I not using it? You know, there's there's room for me to grow as well. Like, I don't sit here... Right. So I guess we're just about to jump into the gauntlet of random questions. It really puts you on the spot. Let me finish with this question. As an advocate, if you had to pick one thing to say, this is the change that I want to bring into the world, what is the change that you're trying to achieve with your advocacy work? Oh, I think you hit the nail on the head there with when guys talk as openly about their health and take as proactive approach to their health as they do their cars. Like it's you, that's it. Yeah, there you go. All right, it's time. Oh, the gauntlet. You ready? I was born ready. But I do first have a really quick question. You put your arm up, and I know our our listeners won't be able to see this, but we could see through Zoom. You have a small tattoo on your inner bicep, and just going with the theme, is it a cat paw? I knew it. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's his paw. I know. That's so sweet. It's so sad now. (laughs) Okay, moving on to the gauntlet. (laughs) (laughs) I hope the first two questions are like about pets and then marriage. Because yeah. like you're just <laughs> right. This show is brought to you by. The, I was just like, I was like, oh my god, not only did he love his cat, but he loved his cat enough to put a tattoo on his arm, and we've really stepped in it. Gauntlet of random questions. If you could see one movie again for the first time, what would it be? Avengers Endgame. Ah. Uh-huh. Wow, that was really quick. Like there was no hesitation there. I was um, told this was a gauntlet. I take that serious, seriously. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's serious. Um, where is a destination in the U.S. that you have never visited but would love to spend time there? Um, if he can find it, apparently. Right, if you can navigate it. <laughs> like down the street would be great. Um, yeah. Probably. Outside of Pennsylvania and Virginia yes. is what we're saying. <laughs> there's more than that. Alaska. That <laughs> There's more. Alaska. Beautiful. <laughs> if you could be any athlete for one event... Who would it be? I don't sports very well. Okay. So. Um, Did you just say I don't sports he, he doesn't very sport, well? Like yeah. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not very athletic, I guess, was the more 
Okay, uh, so uh, let's pro- move it into like a what are what's what are you into for like hobbies or interests then if it's if not sports like movies or books. All right, so what actor? If you could be any actor yeah. playing a scene in a favorite movie of yes. yours, which would it be? Probably Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. As Iron Man, yeah. yeah. In Avengers Endgame, we're just full circle. Okay, rock, paper, or scissors? Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, that's true. Although Kellen just put out paper, so she just wrapped around your rock <laughs> and the rock at the same time. If if you wrap around the rock, good luck. Dude. Oh, I would wrap around the rock in a second. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> I would like I'm straight, but I would too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're three for three on that one. I have a little Dwayne crush as well. Um, yeah. Would you rather travel back in time to meet your ancestors or travel into the future to meet your descendants? Uh, probably the future, because I just want I want to see like. If we How survive, accurate back to the, yeah. Like, can we just go like six months in the yeah. future? Like, I'm not even talking like many years. Like, yeah. No, I de- I definitely go in the future. If you could instantly become an expert in something, what would it be? Uh, probably like remote Bitcoin. learning. Wait, no, that's what you are an expert in. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably like whatever that Bitcoin mining is, because I feel like you can make a lot oh, of money geez. on that, but I don't yeah. really know what it is. I don't even know. Yeah. It seems like a scamming thing, but like I feel like you actually can make money. So like I'm provided yeah. if I become the expert, then I'd actually That's be good. Really good. That's yeah. really good. I like that. I want to invest. Then I'd have you. the money and I could buy the other things that I need, so then I could be an unlimited expert. Last question. Let me ask you one first. Scale of one to ten, how upset are you with me about the cat reference? <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this question? Yeah. Um, like Is it low? Oh, uh, uh, I'm I'm okay with it, but like, like a, had you asked me like a mm, month ago, I would have been like, "Well, end call." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like, so three. wait, like, I you're, okay, you're I'll, not gonna ask him the gauntlet question. No, you've asked I'm gonna everybody? get yes, I'm gonna get to the gauntlet question I've asked everyone. Just patient. I wanted to see, you know, where we were at. Really, I want to check in with my bro. I, you know, we're good. Trevor. We're good. Trevor is a very empathetic person, and as much of a hard time we've given him, now I know he's going to be going to be, bed yeah, tonight, <laughs> worried about your feelings about your cat, which. It was an honest mistake. No, Trevor. it's You're just o- my. No, I'm gonna take okay. my little. I'm gonna take my little <laughs> podcast notebook and I'm gonna write. Always check with people about, about the pets referenced on websites prior to. <laughs> it's gonna be such a specific note. Well, it's a specific <laughs> note. August twenty seventh, two thousand and twenty. All right. Um, so here's the question. I didn't want to go here today, but I'm going to because Kellen's forcing me to. Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? And this is no. There's no middle ground. Absolutely not. Oh, you oh, finally have a person. Yes. <laughs> what? You're people our, like that? The majority of people who go through yeah. the gauntlet are pro pineapple. Even professional chefs. Even professional chefs. <laughs> and I they say no, deserve. there is no way that pineapple belongs on that beautiful pizza pie. And Justin Burke Bickler is with me. Today's looking Back up, in my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to wrap up just by saying a sincere and honest Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of this show. Thanks for being engaging with the Man Up to Cancer community. I am a big fan of yours. I admire the work that you do. Uh, You're having a tremendous positive impact in so many areas. And I'm looking forward to see, this is the thing. It's like, we keep connecting with these amazing, like young advocates too, that have like, yeah, that's cool. Well, they make us feel, but they have decades ahead of them to make that difference and to see the change. Like I imagine by the time that you're an old man, you're going to see a lot of positive change in our culture when it, you know, when it comes to men's health in general. 
So thank you for everything that you do and will do in the future. And uh, we appreciate you. Thank you. And you redeemed yourself there. Oh, yes. Yeah. See, you're going to be fine. You can go to sleep easy tonight. All right. We'll send you a cat tomorrow. Thanks, Justin. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack Doors are always open.